Welcome to another week of It's A Lot with Abby Chatfield. Welcome back after my, I guess, normal length break, but I didn't have any episodes last week after going from an episode a day, almost, I missed a few, but an episode a day about in lockdown. So it's been, it feels like it's been a long time. Uh, So before we get into this episode, I thought I would get into some housekeeping stuff. The first thing is that I will be doing an extra episode every week. So I mentioned this last time, but just double confirming, I'm going to be doing Tuesday long form as usual, as per, and then Fridays I'm going to do like a 10 to 30-minute episode where I answer certain questions or just rant about something that I want to rant about because I have a lot of topics in my head that I feel aren't worth a full episode and don't really fit into any guests or any solo episodes, but I still want to talk about. So that will be happening from now on, a bit of, you know, Friday morning fun. So another thing is that if you guys are liking the podcast, I would love, 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 I mean, the world to me, if you reviewed the podcast and, uh, the rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, if you can do it on Spotify. I don't know if you can. Oh, I don't do Apple. But um, that would mean the world to me because it is how I stay in the charts or get in the charts. And I would really appreciate that from all of you because I haven't asked in a very long time, but I thought of it today. The last thing is uh, the podcast group. So because of a whole lot of reasons that I've made a huge, huge uh, post in the podcast group, I have uh, turned off the ability of, for other people to post. I have been warning about this for a long time, about the podcast group uh, becoming too toxic. And I've been saying for months that I, my options are either turn off posting from other people or delete it. So I've decided to keep it up there so we can still talk about episodes in there. Um, perhaps I'll open it up again in a little while, but I just need a big break from it. It's too mentally taxing. It's too emotionally taxing. But on to happier things. Flex Mummy is my guest today and I'm so excited. I love Flex. Uh, she is so much fun. We ended up hanging out for like, I think like six hours recording podcasts, um, chatting. She drove me to Bondi Junction afterwards. Um, I just absolutely adore her. She's so much fun. She's so cool. She's so smart. She is someone who I want to hear everything from. Uh, I want her opinion on every single thing. Those of you who don't know her, she is a DJ, uh, two-time podcast host. She is a TV host. She is a business owner. She is a DIY queen. She's an influencer. She's everything and more. So if you haven't heard about her before or you don't follow her, go to flex.mummy on Instagram. I've also included her link tree in the show notes uh, today because that's where you can find all of her stuff. I was going to put separate links, but she does too much, too bloody busy. We do play her game, Reflex, today on the episode. And I think after you hear it, you'll want to buy a deck so you can get those from her Reflex store. Anyway, enough of me. This is a long episode, but I didn't want to cut anything out. Uh, I think you will love what Flex has to say and we have a really, really fun conversation. So enjoy. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Flex Mommy. Hi, Flex. Hello. Has this not been the most feverish couple of hours? I mean, so you came here at midday. Yes. And we were planning to record and I was like, oh, fuck, I've got to... um, I've got a lunch at two, but I pushed it back because I've been too much fun talking. 
and it's just been a bit manic it's like <laughs> no and, and not in a not in an offensive way but just we've been skipping from topic to topic to topic. did you write this did you write this what was this very well, favorite and i'm like i have so many questions for you and we just keep i like you were mid-conversation before and I was like, your nails. Um, so you are a, 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 I was about to say a customer. You're a guest that... <laughs> I'll buy something. So many people have asked for you to come on and I mm. wanted you to do a live show with me. But unfortunately, it oh. doesn't look like yeah. um, that's going to be happening for a few months. That's okay. So I was in Sydney. So I thought, why not get you on the podcast and also just hang out with you? Because last time I was here, it didn't work out. Which is kind of good because I am like quite a flaky bitch. So am I. But, and I don't really feel bad about it. And I I feel as though it was nice that we both like flaked and there was no pressure on the rebooking of this date. It was like, oh yeah, it didn't happen last time. Let's just do it again. Agree. I love that. See, I think I saw your post actually in your story today and it was something about, let me read it out. Thank God. Oh, She's... the one that says like, oh, you're so quiet. And then you're like, we have nothing in common. No, <laughs> you said it's But this is, is there an emoji for, I saw your text, but didn't know how to perfectly respond to it. So I waited until I knew exactly what to say, but it's been three weeks now. So I just feel microbursts of shame every time I see your name in the elephant graveyard of messages on my phone. Period. Bitch, how many unread texts do you have? Ooh, 218. Okay, so I cleared mine up two days ago. I have 47. I just go, when it gets to 200, I go... Read all. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I feel like if the, it's for me, I would have read it by now. And it's just not for me. I mean, you would have called me. If it was urgent, you would have called me. And I'm, I'm not. So I'm also a flaky bitch. So I'm glad we flaked. But I'm also glad that we didn't flake for this one. Yeah. Because I'm glad that we're hanging out. Absolutely. Isn't that beautiful? The timing feels right. It does feel right. I really feel strongly about timing and good timing. Mm-hmm. And I mean... It's too pronged because I hate feeling like I've got to do things out of obligation Mm -hmm. and not feeling like doing something feels like a perfectly good reason not to do something. 100%. Contrary to what people might tell us. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be like emotionally available and present when I commit to seeing people. Mm. And today I just felt really ready for it. I'm so glad. Particularly when um, you're trying to record a podcast or do something creative that or that takes your personality. It's like if I'm trying to write an article, uh, an advice column, and I don't really feel like doing it, I cannot do it. Mm-hmm. I actually cannot do it. Or if I have a solo episode of this and I don't feel like doing it, it's going to be a shit episode anyway. I may as well wait another day. That's it. And let everyone know it's going to be daylight. The cynicism will bleed through if you're not into it. It just it feels so snarky. <laughs> like, anyway, your question about your toxic ex-boyfriend. <laughs> so we've got like... There were so many different angles that I wanted to take with this conversation with you because I feel like you're... You're just an endless amount of fun and intelligent conversation and just iconic scenes. So as always, though, I always ask my guests, what's been a lot this week? What has been a lot this week? Uh, A multitude of things. I feel as though uh, with age, I'm becoming a bit apathetic. Uh, And it's not that I don't care about things, but I feel... Like, I'm just really attuned to how much emotional energy I spend over investing in things that just aren't my business and aren't my problem. 
like limited and including but not limited to like strangers on the internet damning me asking for advice and I used to feel really obliged to like drop everything and reach out and reply and send you resources and links but I'm like fundamentally I don't actually care not because I don't value you as a life being but I'm not well myself <laughs> like yeah. I've got shit happening yeah it's like your your head's just out of water and you're trying to help everyone else yeah that's how I feel as well I get so many DMs about very intense things like sexual assault, trauma, suicidal ideation, abortion. And I'm like, I, I, I appreciate that you've trusted me with this, but I'm like, I'm like jumping in therapy twice a week. That's like it. I'm not able to even help my friends or apply to my friends on my 200 unread text. That's it. If not, if not applying to my sister who lives in London, who I only talk to once a week, I can't, I can't reply to you. That's it. So just being really mindful of like trying to protect my energy in a really, really proactive way, because usually I protect my energy in a reactive way. Like something's triggered me. So therefore I'm shutting down and mm. I need to hermit or whatever. But now I'm like, oh no, I need to clock what's mm -hmm. going to be too much for myself to handle and then retreat a little bit and then I was thinking the other day that you know you know like when you're hungry you know to eat you're thirsty you know to drink you're feeling a little bit you know um uh maybe you're feeling a bit sluggish you get, get some air but what do I do about internal unrest mm. you know restlessness what do you do what do I do so we're going back to therapy I went mm -hmm. to a hypnotherapist recently I'm gonna get back into kinesiology because I'm like I need I need something to um I just, yeah, with spiritual unrest, I don't have any any moments to, like, anything to fall back on. And yeah. I need to make sure that that shit's, like, on lock. Yeah. So when I need it, it's there. Definitely. I think as well even just doing anything that is proactive will help that unrest. Absolutely. Knowing that you're trying to do something about it helps it in itself. Like, when I go to therapy, I know that I'm trying to help mental health and that helps my mental health. Mm -hmm. It's like this nice feedback loop of what well, you're trying and you're being proactive rather than sitting at home and avoiding it and letting that anxiety sit in a little corner or that disappointment in myself sit in a little corner. Um, does that include setting boundaries for you? Oh, I'm so, so good at setting boundaries though. That's my favorite thing. If anything, I'm too good at setting boundaries in the sense that I, uh, my boundaries might be unnecessary walls that stop me from applying myself because I just don't feel like I want to. Mm -hmm. Um, the thing that I found that works better than setting boundaries for me is to provide people with context for why those boundaries have been set. Okay. So I used to do this thing where I was telling people that like my phone is like a very toxic place for me and I'm so tied to it in ways that I don't want to be tied to it. So if I'm not responding to text messages or if I'm not picking up your call when you're answering, it's because I'm just establishing that like I don't want to be on my phone. Mm -hmm. It's not a happy place for me all the time. So mm -hmm. I'm taking some moments back. But before, I would just tell people I'm just not picking up random phone calls unless you, I have context why you're calling. That's really combative. That's aggressive. That's yeah. not very helpful. Everyone's like, what the fuck's your problem, sis? Yeah. <laughs> when realistically, I need to be like, hey, everyone, here's some context of my relationship with my device. Yes. It's actually quite um, exhausting and draining to use mm -hmm. it. Therefore, I'm going to try and not be on it. So if I see your message and I don't respond, it's not personal. Suddenly, everyone's on board with it. Yes. So it's the context behind the boundaries I find to be a lot more beneficial to everybody involved rather than just establishing them. hundred percent. That's crazy. Yeah, Cause I just kind of tend to go, I just, my, my phone is fucking crazy and it's hard to explain when your work is on your phone. It's like if someone had to be tied to their desk chair all the time and that's where everyone else's joy comes from or relaxation or their kind of escape is on their phone. And I don't get that if they DM me, four times I'm actually less likely to reply because I'm getting buzz 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 and I'm like and my phone is going in the fucking bin 
and I have all I'm doing is work, quote unquote work, my influencing on or my my podcast or whatever, and it doesn't really look like work to you, but it actually makes there's a, there's no definite boundary between work and play, yeah. because. Our work is talking, having conversations like we've had for the past hour of mic. <laughs> <laughs> like I kept being like, what's up for the podcast? But so you, which is enjoyable and doing podcasts is enjoyable, but it also, there's pressure on it to make it good and to make it worthwhile. And that ties in anxiety into my life that I don't know how to manage yet. I think I'm really struggling with because it's all happened for me very quickly. Yeah. Like I always say, um, going on like a reality TV show like The Bachelor. The reason why I think influencers, kind of influencers, I think when there are influencers that have been on reality shows, they kind of obviously are nobodies and then they peak and then they realize how fucking overwhelming it is and then they just don't put any effort into their content and they drop off the face of the earth. Yeah. Whereas like I've tried to like maintain that, but with, I guess with you, you've had like a slow incline. So you've gotten used to setting yourself boundaries yeah. and being like, oh, at this stage, it's. This is getting too much for me at like 30,000 followers. This is going to be my magic for this. Yeah. Whereas mine was like in two months, I went from having 2,000 followers, like 100, well, in a year, it's been 2,000 to 180. Yeah. And it's just like you don't know where to stop and begin play and work. And even when I'm like out at dinner, I'm like, I oh, should upload a photo of this yeah, thing. Because right. it's more, like, do you feel that as well? Like this weird pressure and you feel like you can't do. And it also, I think you get, it's people speak about it in a very condescending way. It's usually middle-aged um, white men talking about this in this way, but oh, well, th- well, it didn't help you even take a photo of it. And it's like, yeah, but you have to understand that like part of our um, appeal, I think is that people can see into our lives. So if I cut off for a day, I'll get worried messages from people. Legit. Like genuinely, like, and you feel pressure and, and B, it, it kind of takes away from what I, what I do for work and as well, it kind of comes with validation for me. Mm-hmm. It's all intertwined. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had a different experience because from like DJing and doing TV before being an influencer, I kind of had a taste of what it was like to take everything fun and make it work. <laughs> so the relationship we have with our phones, that's the relationship I have to like music and partying and being in environments that should be fun. But I'm like, well, it's not fun because I'm paranoid about the DJ not mixing well enough or I'm paranoid about articulating in a, in a way that's easy to understand because I'm so used to like being on TV and having to over explain everything I'm saying and all of these things feel so um, calculated to me sometimes and when I rebel against that calculation I just be it's hard for people to um, it's hard for people to I guess digest that because they're so used to like happy on exciting educate us tell us a story this is so great and I'm like babes no <laughs> 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 um, but it's all a learning um it's all a learning curve because I guess at certain points you assume you do have more energy and time and space for people mm-hmm. in so many different ways. I've told people, ah, oh, my DMs are open. Like, come to me, talk to me. Let me like, let me know what you want. And then they come to me. I'm like, oh, babe, what are you <laughs> I, doing here? I met one or two of you, but now there are 140 of you who want the same level of advice. And I just, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm sorry. Don't I can't, this is too much for me. I can't take the pressure. I'm sorry, I can't do it. I have so much about that. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, as well, I think when it comes to trolling but also when it comes to um advice questions or dms that kind of need something from you even when they're welcomed when you off but yeah when you open that um the floodgates everyone comes rushing in and they think it's a one-way communication but it's actually you're sitting there and there's 300 people coming at you and it's hard to understand um unless you're getting that kind of attention or um 
you're being expected to have that sort of emotional capacity to deal with 200 people asking what to do about specific instances. Also, you're really good in replying about like, what outfit are you wearing? Yeah. I just fucking. I'm like a level deeper where it's like, what are you drinking? What outfit are you wearing? What perfume are you wearing? Yeah. Where do you go? Yeah. Where was that? Oh, you went to that Bunnings? Do they have this in stock? Did you see that? And it's like, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't have answers to I these questions. Uh, people ask, the, okay, the number one thing <laughs> that I love that you always say is just fucking Google. Just, like, Google, just Google, Google it. it. Just Google it. Just fucking Google. Like people ask me what WAP means and I'm like, oh, just baby, fucking Google. Just like, just Google it. Like, the amount of DMs are getting, like, what does it mean? I've put up 12 stories about it and I've put the song over the top of, like, four of the stories and my caption on my thing was hashtag, go into the hashtag. Like, how hard is it to take an extra step? It drives me fucking crazy. Um, I mean, I guess that has been, everything's been a lot. I could talk to you about this for fucking hours. <laughs> but we are going to play um, Flex's game Reflex. So if you don't know what it is, um, Get a grip and get a deck because you sent me these. Actually, you said, I think you sent me two by accident or I bought some and then you were like, I'm they, refunding you. Yeah, and they both came. They came. So I, I give them to friends. Good. <laughs> when they come over. Because all my friends are obsessed with it. So the first time I got it out, they were like, oh, because I'd bought, I think I told you, I'd bought a similar game that wasn't as fun and I got shit from my friends. And I, I was like, guys, I got this new, like, this, like, conversation starter game. It's so good. And it was questions like, like, it was like lame would you rathers or, like, it just wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't hitting. It wasn't hitting it right. And then this came and I was like, guys, I swear this is going to be better. And I had to, like, truly convince them to play it. They played it. They're obsessed. On my birthday, I was like, everyone, shut up. All I want to do is play Reflex. Shut the fuck up. Turn the fucking music off. It's amazing. So if you haven't got it yet, give it a go. It creates amazing conversations. Take it to a date. Take like a five cards to a date. Yeah. So what do you think? I would recommend it because part of the trap on going on a first date is that you can regress very quickly into platitudes of like, where did you go to high school? What do you do for work? You know, what's exciting you at the moment? When realistically you want to ask somebody like, hey, who, if you had to pick one person to die, who would it be? And then like, just go from there. <laughs> that these questions are fucking incredible. Like they really make you think. And also there's a certain way to play the game. Yeah. We're like, I, I always get the, I have the, um, the rules in a separate drawer and I sit everyone down. I yell at them before we do it. Like I, I think understand it helps. helps to with this. It helps to, so the rules are, so basically reflex is a conversation card game. I made to encourage people to learn how to critically think, which is essentially knowing what you think, but almost analyzing why you think that way. Mm -hmm. Like what, has happened to you to form these particular beliefs and yes you can just pick up a question and answer it but like realistically you want to be like analyzing the question why are we asking it this way what is the question trying to imply why do I think this way why do you think this way mm -hmm. do I think differently of you because you think this mm -hmm. way I love it and it's very good for dates if you want to be that bitch oh I am that fucking it's bitch. foreplay though like people it's using hot. their brain very hot it's so hot. I had the best sex after I had a date once and I made him stay up with me until 5am doing it with me and it was fucking incredible because I was like, you're so smart. And he was like answering questions. I'm like, let me fucking <laughs> answer, like, more, so answer more, answer more. Oh, answer more. another one. So do you want to pick the card? Do we pick one? Okay, so I'm going to pick one that's just off the top of this amazing bowl of all of our reflex games. So mm. it's an expansion pack that I made with this um, musician and entertainer called Joyride. You know, I was on Triple J with him the first time on Triple J. Really? On, the ha on Hack. Except, like, he's just my favourite person ever. I'm obsessed with him. I literally, 
like everything, he, the way he speaks, he's so intelligent. He's so funny. This he's is exactly it. incredible. The thing about Joyride is I feel like thinking has been quite trendy as of recently, mm-hmm. like actually using your brain, actually trying to analyse and dissect what's happening around you. But he has been doing it in an entertaining way since before we even know, knew that it was cool to think. Yeah. He's just like on, he's like six levels deeper than we are, but he's not a wanker about it. No, he's he not He makes all. it all fun and accessible. And it, Whatever you say to him, he's he's open to it. He doesn't to make you feel like an idiot. He's so open minded. I, I felt like an I felt like an idiot because I was there with my spot in the grass. Me, a reality TV bitch, who I am anti. I'm anti festivals. I don't like camping. I don't like going, which is fine. Go and do it. Oh, it looks so much fun. I can't do it. And we're talking about like the Splendor lineup, and I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. I'm not going to try and interject. And he was so like most. I feel like most like musicians would be like, oh, you go to Splendor? You go to Splendor? He's like, that's fucking cool. <laughs> I don't care. And, like, I was obviously very nervous being on Hack for the first time because all my other interviews are about, like, what do you think about Magni? What do you think about this Bachelor drama? And this was, like, using my brain for the first time on radio. And he was just so fucking cool. And I felt so, um, like, welcome and safe with him, which is so strange for, like, a stranger that I'd, I didn't know who he was before that. But... When I saw the hit in expansion pack, I was like, yes, this is going to be good. I mean, even I'm scared to go on Hack and the Shake Up because I'm like, I don't want to, because you're talking about weekly news and I don't, I don't want to not be informed and then be on here being like, Haha, I didn't really actually read that one this week. <laughs> so this is a question from Joyride's Reflex Expansion Pack. Oh, would you prefer if the government was more or less involved in your life? This is a tricky one. Because would I prefer if this government was more or less involved in my life? I mean, potentially less. But also I feel as though I'm the kind of person who's very good at thinking of what a utopia could be like. I don't know. I can't visualise anything better than what life is now. Mm -hmm. Like capitalism isn't a system that's working very well for us, but I don't know of an alternative. So if we could imagine like a utopic state where everything is like equal and we all have equity and like we're just not exploiting each other and it's fucking sick then yes get into it Mm -hmm. give me a fucking barcode put me in a uniform (laughs) like make me feel like i'm doing the right thing for my community and my nation absolutely i mean but as it stands i feel like some part of me can be really naive and be like i want the government to be less involved in my life because then it's like would less involvement mean no medicare i need that see do we is it saying less involvement in general or are we saying less involvement in certain areas because I think like exactly. in, in terms of uh, drug laws, I think we could be a bit less restrictive Let's when it comes to drugs. It. Yeah, also like abortion. But also, yeah, I appreciate Medicare. I appreciate have, us having safe schools. I appreciate mm-hmm. us having roads and hospitals that this we can rock exactly. up to. So it's like, do we get to choose or is it just we're increasing altogether? or decreasing? Yeah. Something that I really appreciate about being Australian compared to being American is obviously our healthcare system. That yeah. I, I'm like, you know and what? that is involvement. Yeah, take my fucking tax. Take my tax for the schools and the and the roads and the hospitals. But also don't tell me if I can have a baby or not. That's exactly it. So, I mean, it's yeah, it's a tricky because then if they're kind of like, well, you take the good with the bad. So less involvement means you might get less of the good shit. Then we might say more involvement in hopes we might get more of the good shit. You know, more access, more resource, more forward planning, more future thinking, more, you know, utopic fucking legislation. Mm. And then maybe like... 
you know, in exchange for that, we might have a curfew or we might get, you know, it, <laughs> my face, Melbourne vibes. I mean, shaky. You know, I get a curfew. We might need to be chipped. We might. Uh, I don't mind being chipped. What are your thoughts on being chipped? See, I don't mind being chipped, but I want it to be some good shit. I want to be able to like click, click and see my vital stats. See if I'm low in magnesium. Yeah, you know, I, I don't do. want the shit to open doors. Do I want that. some good shit. Like I need to know that like, oh, okay. I'm actually like low in serotonin. This is what I'm feeling. And I want it to tell me like, this is what you will need. 12 minutes of sunshine will do you and then up you know that would be awesome that's an amazing real hacking idea. the system i don't want to open doors or like pay i don't want pay pass in my wrist i'll do without but a deeper understanding of my body would be mm. so awesome would you be would you be apprehensive about having that if i had like a tracking device on it like how do you feel? who cares privacy I is agree. a myth i agree but we're also people who commodify ourselves online and so we know that for a fact that privacy is a myth Please whereas fuck. for other people privacy still is like a very valid practice and theory because mm. you can be anonymous in so many ways mm. i mean probably not if you're on instagram and messenger and if you use gps but in a lot of other ways <laughs> well i always think whenever someone says i'm a very private person i'm not gonna lie that face that you just did i know that face i kind of it's a like, grimace i go shut up like, yeah. i'm like oh i'm just a, i'm just a private person and it's kind of like a holier than thou thing like i couldn't have been influencer because i'm just really private Low. well what do you why you why do you think less of me because i'm not private do you think are you, and i don't think they're hiding anything no do you think that it's because we what do you think it is do we value having some sort of mystery and I don't know because I feel like uh, privacy is definitely a myth and but I feel like we've come to terms with that sooner because we've chosen to commodify ourselves but mm. as I share more there's more I realize I don't want to share. Do you want another card? Yeah. What another one. Which one should we do? I want to like pick up a couple and then choose. Yeah. You know. Okay, let's do a card from Reflex number two, which mm -hmm. is the blue deck. Mm -hmm. And it's a question that I created. God, I'm nervous. And I rarely hear people answer this one. I feel like it's one people would skip over. It's not really the most fun one to answer. Mm -hmm. But I think it provides a lot of insight into how you feel about yourself. Okay. So the question is, what is the worst thing about being you? Oh, fucking hectic, right? I'll start while you think. Yeah. Because I haven't really thought about it, but I thought it, it like, there was a visceral reaction, so I thought I should follow it. I feel as though, as a person, I'm very preoccupied with worth and value. It's very important to me to be valuable, to not be a nobody, to not be, and to always be a somebody, or at least to be in environments where I'm regarded as somebody who is worthy of being there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what that does is it makes me pursue things that I don't actually want for, so I can like satiate this feeling of being important. Mm -hmm. So like if there was a, a moment or a space in time where I could choose to do what I want or what would make me feel more valued, I do what would make me feel more valued, which sometimes contradicts to what I want and need. You know, like my soul needs me to fuck off inland, go live on the farm, look at trees for six hours, not be on my phone. Mm -hmm. But what I need right now is validation for all the efforts and the sacrifices I've made to be this person who sells themselves on the internet. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And I think the worst thing about that is that internal conflict, like constantly being self-aware of what you could do to feel more like yourself, more in tuned, more aligned, but constantly going against that yeah. for like some superficial, very human need. Yeah. This is a fucking difficult question. It is. Because I also think that toxic positivity and like positivity culture would not have you think about what this is. Oh, because God, like no. I mean I I do remember somebody when I put this question on my story, somebody told me that I shouldn't be asking questions like this because we're finally getting to a point where we're learning to like self-love and like, you know, really learn to like appreciate ourselves and this could really trigger people. What, and, by like, ignoring any negative feelings? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, this is all of you. Like you are, this is, the good and the bad is two halves of the same perfect whole. But if you, but if you ignore what you think is the worst thing about you, how are you supposed to grow and change as a person if you can't acknowledge that? Like the fact that I'm taking this long to think about it shows mm-hmm. I've never thought about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure once I think of the thing, I'll be like, oh, I need to work on that, actually. Yeah. Not being able to acknowledge anything negative actually is the worst thing you can do. And if you feel weird about that question, then that's the worst thing about you. (laughs) Absolutely. But this is my whole, this is why I get so excited about the process of critically thinking, because even to understand why looking at the worst thing could be quite beneficial to you, it Mm. gives you context for yourself. Like you imagine if you said, you know, the worst thing about me is, you know, my anxiety because Mm. it really like just gets to me. It brings me down. You're like, okay, well, what would you be without that? Like Mm. if you took that part away from yourself, what would replace it? Yeah. Like, could you live with it? Is it really the worst thing? And like, and then sometimes I think like, you know, I could say a ton of bad things about being me. Like those are easy, but the worst thing, that requires like a hierarchy of things and an analysis of like, well, how does this impact me long term? Mm -hmm. And why is this now the worst thing? I have something, but I don't know if it's a bit wanky, but let's just do it. I think the worst thing about me is that I struggle to sit in things. So when things are really good, I'm constantly panicking. It's going to be taken away from me or what's going to happen or how it's all going to end. And when things are really bad, I kind of like fantasize and escape from when things are really bad and over romanticize things that are unachievable and have this insatiable desire to do something that I cannot do. And why is it the worst thing as opposed to being just the bad thing? I think it's the worst thing because it creates so much anxiety in my, in every single day, every single day I have anxiety. Like I was saying before we recorded that, like I'm complaining right now because I'm like, everyone meets me and they like me. What? Like, and that, that honestly causes me, I cry, I got drunk and cried the other night to Simon. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know when it's all going to be taken away. So whenever, and it's like when I'm dating someone that's nice, like little things like that, I'm like, how is it? I tell them, I'm like, I don't know how this is all going to end really badly. And it's partly because of my like relationship trauma, but it's also just because of having anxiety. It's just of having an overthinking everything to the point where I don't enjoy anything. And then it's like, I look back six months ago and I think I should have enjoyed that, but I didn't. And then I'm doing the same thing over and over again. And I find it hard to break up that loop. And then, yeah, when things are really bad, the way I deal with it is by escaping. So it's like, I'm never actually experiencing the emotions that I need to experience. And I think since being on Lexapro, it's gotten a bit better, but it still isn't great. Like I'm still, everything is thinking ahead or thinking back right it's never just sitting in In the moment like right now i'm like because i'm in sydney i'm thinking like oh this is great but i know that next week i'll be in hotel quarantine so that's going to be shit so therefore i'm going to worry about that rather than sitting here having a good time with you Mm. a little bit of me is like still having this undercurrent of buzzing anxiety being like this is going to be fucking awful and i think that also changes the way that i interact with people because i am i am not really present 
entirely present and perhaps I'm trying to maybe have like a facade on maybe because I've, I'm, I have this like, I think I said in my last um, podcast with Danny, the, like the whole jester thing of like I'm trying to just have fun, make everyone have fun, be around me having fun. But internally I'm thinking about like, oh, when's this not going to end? Like when I have friends over and I don't know, this is actually really sad. My therapist is yesterday. When I have friends over and if I, if we're like hungover on a Sunday, we always hang at my house, get food and watch a random reality show every single Sunday. And I, every time I like, go, if I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to Woolies and get like a parade for us or whatever, I freak out. They're going to, they wouldn't want to leave. Like I get, it's really bad. It's like, I think that people just don't want to be around me all the time and that everything's going to end. Like everything's going to end eventually. Like when I'm with my friends on a Sunday, I'm like, oh fuck, it's going to be shit when they go home. Isn't that weird? I love that. That's fucked. Only because, like, again, now we have so much context for you. Mm. And, like, I'm sure everybody listening who might feel like they know you very well, Mm. now having this extra piece of the puzzle Mm. probably puts a lot of your behaviour into perspective. Mm. Mm. It's also why I speak quickly. Oh, oh, yeah. Because I try to get things out. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have an older sister. But but she's very – she's – Everyone thinks we're the opposite. We're obviously very similar, but she's very quiet and like yeah. gentle and she looks like an actual angel. Younger sibling vibes are speaking very quickly, just just in case somebody is not listening. Because nobody ever was listening. Nobody was listening. And I'm like, I'm at the point where I'm like, I need to get a speech I need to get um speech therapy, even just a few I do want to get it. Me too. And not because I'm like, oh, I have a speech impediment, because I think it would be great if I could speak like hearing hey, editing the podcast with Danny and Danny speaks so clearly and slowly. And you know what? It's okay to speak sl- this slowly. You're not waiting for me to shut up. No. You're listening to my thoughts. <laughs> but in my head, and it's like that's a constant thing from from speaking through to my my interactions with my friends or my relationships. I'm thinking are they getting bored of me? When is this going to end? When is negative feeling going to come? And then, yeah, and I feel shit. And I think like, like after the bachelor, the only way I could get through it was thinking about like being bachelorette. Like I was like, like not that I really wanted it, but I was like, think of the most extreme happy thought that you can to get through this weird emotion. Um, Otherwise you'll look, it'll be the end of you. So yeah, I think the talking thing, I need a fucking speech therapist. It's, I get so much feedback on this when I am at work and it's the only reason why I know how to try and speak slower because if I like when I record a podcast on my own it's very easy to speak slowly because I'm not stressed there's no tension that people are going to lose or forget to listen to me or like lose interest but as soon as there's another person I'm like but then but I'm like no one can fucking understand me like I Someone was like, you didn't ask Danny at the end of that last episode. You didn't ask him if he'd go on a second date with you. And I was like, oh, no, I did. I just got so nervous. I tried to edit it and slow it down. <laughs> I, I got so nervous because I had to ask him, but also because we'd been recording for three hours. I was like, so did you date with me again? That's literally what it sounded like. That's so fucked. That's so fucked. So you think You're this- a cyborg. <laughs> you were glitchy. <laughs> so I need, I'm going to get some speech therapy. Anyone in Brisbane who knows that a fucking speech, is it a speech pathologist? Is that what you need? Yeah. yeah. I just want to get a few sessions, maybe like an acting class or something because yeah. I have things to say. I just worry they're not interesting. Also, I love that question. I think we should, if you're in the podcast group, I want you to answer that question. Because Thank you. That is one of the hardest questions. I've never seen that one in the deck. Um, 
and I'm going to ask my my friends all about it. I'm going to ask that new that new guy that I'm sleeping with about it because I'd love to know what he thinks. Because imagine if someone just said, "Oh, I can't really think of anything." That was it. What it'd be terrible. It'd be awful. But I can imagine. But I can also imagine people just not wanting to answer it because you are revealing quite a lot about yourself mm. and. The trickiest thing about having vulnerable conversations is hoping that somebody will catch you or at least mirror the vulnerability. Yeah. Because there's, there's nothing worse than just purging and people being like, okay, that was a lot. Next topic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got some Q&As, babe. Yes. Um, we were going to do two, but we're going to do one. This happens every time I like someone that comes on the podcast. I'm like, we can only have time for one because I want to talk about you. Hi, Abby. Hey, babe. I'm not sure when you will answer this, but please, please help me. Oh, God, she's desperate. She needs the help. We've got you. I've recently become single, start of the year, and I'm very similar to you where I always want to have a boyfriend. From listening to your podcast, I've learned so much and I'm enjoying being single and by myself. However, dot, dot, dot ominous i have slept with a few different guys a few a lot whatever and i'm finding they are all lackluster in the bedroom they don't have stamina aren't willing to please me before sex and come so quickly they are normally one night stands or just coming over for the reason so i don't feel like i can tell them what i want normally before i say like xyz i love giving head shout out to glug it up pod no worries <laughs> um sorry i like doing this to guys but they find not to Sorry, but find they don't last long afterwards. Obviously, I'm not recycling these guys because they haven't given me a good time. I want them to leave immediately because I'm so turned off afterwards. <laughs> me, me going to get out of my fucking bed. Um, do I just keep scraping the barrel? Help me, please, before I turn to women. Flex, what are your thoughts on this one? I don't want to roast you, person who messaged, but there's so much fundamentally wrong with the approach to sex and enjoying sex. So let's start from the top. Hit me. One night stands are fantastic, but also by nature, you are taking a skill that should be practiced and wanting to get the best experience in a three-hour window. It's not happening. And you're also probably drinking. Yeah. You're not not sober. You're not, you know... I've only ever had sober one night stands, so... Oh, true. Again, I don't know what the vibe is. But yeah, I assume that, yeah. You, I mean, I've always rooted people who were cooked and I wasn't. But yeah. we'll get into that. Maybe we won't. The thing is, I've definitely had a lot of great one night stands. But that's like the ratio of how much... Like, how much... Of how many one night stands you're having, there are going to be a few good ones. There are going to be a few terrible ones. Mm-hmm. The issue is, fundamentally, sex requires practice and practice mm-hmm. requires commitment and Mm -hmm. continuous Mm -hmm. skill Mm -hmm. and exercise of it so a one night stand is rarely going to fulfill you i think also there's a lot of like politics around one night stands and asking and requesting and providing insight for what you want and don't want feels like a lot because the person doesn't know you and therefore they don't care everyone's trying to get their nut Mm -hmm. with the i give head but the nobody gives me head that's on you a lot of what I find about sex is the best sex is recipro- like reciproc- reciprocal sex. Yeah, mm-hmm. reciprocity. Where it's like, I give and you give and I give and you give. But it's a one night stand. Yeah. 
So realistically, there's a foundation of um, inequality there because you're there for the same reason, but both are inherently selfish. Like you want your nut, I want my nut. Hopefully we'll get that nut together. But realistically, this is going to be a quick three hours. I want to be out of here and I want you to be out of here. So I feel like the issue is you can't be giving with a closed fist. You can't be going, I give head and they don't give me head back. That's your bad. Don't give head then. Yeah. And if you really enjoy it, then give head like with pleasure. Yeah. Enjoy 100%. that you're giving somebody pleasure and don't do it just don't, to get head back. Exactly. Yeah. If there's a, if there, and I guess the person who messaged also made the point of saying, I don't feel like I can ask for what I want because it's a one night stand. You're right. But you're probably going to have to ask for what you want if you want what you want. If you want it. Yeah. And I think what I found, I found a lot of power in having one night stands because it's the best sort of breeding ground to test out your confidence in these arenas mm. to really pull up and say, Hey, I don't really know you. And I feel like this might be a lot to ask. But this is what not only what I like, but what I want to be happening yeah. in this. Like, yeah. I really want to get my pussy eight. Yeah. Like, you know, that would be fantastic. Pussy. Yeah. I definitely have been in a lot of like situations in my like earlier 20s where I was just like a cheerful giver. Like, this is what I like to do. And everything I like was just pleasing. Like, I love to give head. I'll mm. eat your ass. I'll do this. I'm a fun bitch. Ass, you know? So hot. But then you you forget to mention like what you want done to you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know let's not pretend you that really think about it really i think with one night stands as well like i stopped giving i stopped giving head mm-hmm. to a one night stands i like giving head but only to people that i really like period like i don't i don't enjoy giving head to a strange man Mm-mm. like I, like i want to i want to come and i look if you don't give me head because i'm not giving you head that's totally fine but i'm just gonna have sex with you and then we can we can use we can masturbate with each other yeah that's what you're doing really mm-hmm. you're just masturbating using someone's life living dildo right <laughs> like like or, or their mouth or whatever if you're gay or whatever the fuck you're doing if you're in a threesome you've got two going on but like i haven't swallowed cum in like oh no no thanks Sweetheart, I know. Sorry, what? I will do anything. And everyone's like, "You have a sex podcast," so I'm like, "Yeah." And I know I don't like swallowing cum, so I have boundaries. I'm not swallowing. I'll eat your ass. I'm not swallowing. I will. I will eat your ass for hours. I'm not swallowing your cum. You're not coming anywhere in my mouth. Nope. And you know why? Because this is what I think, and I'm still inherently selfish. If I had a boyfriend that I loved, that he was like, "Listen, I really want to come on your mouth," I would do it. I would begrudgingly do I'd de- it. I'd debate it, but. We, I need to be in love with them and they need to be making me come every single yeah. time we're having sex. And he's like, you know what? This is hot because you want to do it. Mm. With someone new or one night stand, if I do give them head, if I feel like it, why would I want to make them come? When they come, it's the sex done. is over. And you mentioned it, person who wrote this, that you, you start with that good that good stroke, that good head. They're going to come quick. Exactly. You have to Don't withhold the head if you want this to be a long session. Don't, you know what we should do? What you should do, actually? You should have sex with them. Once you come, yeah. then you can give them head and make them come with that mouth, though. Thoughts on that? I'm into it. I'm into it. I also think that when, you're, when you want to ask for certain things to be done to you, you can do it in a really sexy way. Mm. Like, like, I do it in a way that I'm like... Like, like I'll be like, like kissing their neck, and I'm like, I really want you to eat me out. Mm. Like I really want you to. I want to feel your tongue on my fucking clit. 
That's hard. That is hot, right? right? Um, but I also think with a one-night stand, I'd probably just be like, listen up. <laughs> Abby's here and she's got some requests. I'm going to sit in your face and you're going to fucking enjoy it and I might suck a dick for a little bit and then I'll ride you and you're going to stay completely still because I don't make myself come when I'm riding you. Um, but I think as well, like you do need to have that kind of communication because a lot of like a lot of an exp- and, um, yeah, commitment like you were saying because a lot of the time like – the first time I fuck people, it's, it's always common. average at best. And realistically, like the way you're saying that the sex has been average, you've been the average route for that person as well. Yes. It's just how it goes. You're learning someone's body for the first time, taking all your baggage from your previous sexual experiences. Because with a new partner, it is baggage. Yeah. Like people want to be like fucked differently. They want their mm. stroke differently. They want to be eaten out differently. So anything mm. you'll bring from a last relationship is baggage, not skill. So there's also that issue. I mean, for this reason, I am a big, big, big fan of a fuck buddy. I'm not a one night stander type bitch. I feel like it's a lot of fantasy, very shitty in the practice and execution. Mm-hmm. A fuck buddy, you can really get some good shit going with because you need you need to have the confidence and the open forum to tell them what you want. I'm not a sexy bitch. I'm a very like straight up assertive bitch. I'm like, a, hey, I'm going to ask you some questions and I want you to answer them. Head, how do you like it? I can't want you to dom me right now. <laughs> <laughs> She's in like a lilac blazer with like these iconic nails, <laughs> and she's like her hair's in a slick bun, and I'm like head. How do you want it? And I'm like honestly, because I feel as though sometimes in like you know how like when you're dirty talking, you say some shit you just would never like agree to. Like you know you own this fucking pussy, and you're like, but you don't. But in the context, like right now, you. So I feel like sometimes when asking people what they want in the context of sex, they start to like get a bit flavorsome with it. When in reality, they're not that flavorful. So I like to ask them like when we're not even near that that environment i'm like what do you want like when these clothes come off what are you interested in Mm. like give me some context Mm, totally because also i discuss kinks over dinner you have to if you can't discuss sex you're not ready to have sex yes if you can't just be at dinner and be like so like my kink is specifically this we can watch some porn perhaps when we get home or i'll be like what's the last um what's the last porno you watched yeah. To get a gauge on what they're feeling right now. Because, like, uh, my kinks ebb and flow. Sometimes I get into a really dark place with them. Yeah. I need to pull myself out. So I yeah. See, when I was younger, I used to just watch a lot of BDSM. But not because I would want to, like, partake in BDSM. Mm. Because I just feel like people haven't even got the hang of, like, missionary yet. People can't even choke you properly. Like, you're not you're not about to tie me up and get, like, a touchy. It's not happening. Yeah. Um, but now I just like like uh, threesomes with two guys, like two bisexual guys and one girl. I feel like it's really it hits the spot for me. I, I really love, love bisexual that. guy moment. Yeah. I, do you like? I like seeing a guy fuck another guy. Yeah. I think it's so hot. And why is that crazy when every man wears like lesbian porn? Fuck yeah. But if I'm like, I like seeing a bisexual yeah. threesome. It's I think so it's so nice. hot. I love threesome porn, actually. I've gotten really into that lately because um, I'm trying to, like, make my kinks a bit more vanilla because I feel like I'm oh. too deep down a very bad guy. I got path. off porn. I stopped watching porn. You got off porn? Mm. I think I need to get off it. I've started to get into um, – uh, there is this guy who has a Patreon and he does, um, uh, like, not like, – like audio, audio recordings. recordings is what I was looking for. Yeah, audio recordings, and he has like sound effects and stuff. Because it's always you just need the sound. <laughs> you just need the sound. And I'm because I'm not a very visual person, and I always close my eyes when I come. Of course. 
So like I just put it, I like put my phone next to my mm-hmm. ear and I'm like, and I vibrate. <laughs> <laughs> I love In my loft shit. apartment, the mm-hmm. echoing of like. He's <laughs> 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 like fucking like, like, it's fucking amazing. And he talks during it and it's fucking incredible. But um, yeah, I'm trying, I've, the visual porn stuff, I think it leads me down to, ver- I get, Mm. I increase my threshold very quickly. Why did you go off porn? Because I had to train my nut because mm. I'm a very habitual nutter. I'm like the same position on That's my back. That's a podcast, habitual yeah. nutter, 100%. <laughs> on my back, legs spread with a womanizer, like three minutes done. And then I remember I was uh, getting fucked from behind and I was like, oh, I really want to use my womanizer because this would be sick, you know? But then I just like was like on the edge on the precipice of coming could not come Isn't the worst? and because and then i was googling how like yeah you can like train yourself to come in certain positions because it's all a mental game anyway mm. so i was like okay fuck what else is impinging impinging infringing on my ability to come freely mm-hmm. because like you can't always be on your back leg spread with no. a womanizer no and so then i was like and then i noticed that i was um relying too heavily on visuals to come that when i was like with a partner i'd be like fuck i just need more and like the sex itself wasn't enough. Mm. So I've been spending like the last year and a half, like retraining my like libido. And I found I've got a lot, a, a lot lower of a libido than I thought. Mm. I was just overstimulating with porn. Because so when you're just, watching porn helped? all the time, you feel, you'll feel horny all the time, which is fine. But then I felt horny all the time and the sex wasn't satisfying because I was like, yeah. it's, there's, so, I need four more people in this scene. Yeah, did you find yourself trying to imagine other things to be able to come? Like, I, I enjoy I enjoy sex to a point, and I'm like, this is amazing. And then, and then, like, my ex would be like, once you close your eyes, I know you're gone. Like, I know you. <laughs> like, he's like, he'd be like, he'd be like, we have amazing sex for like the first like 20 minutes. Like, he's like my fucking ex ex boyfriend that I love, as all you guys put him, best sex I'll ever have. First time we fucked came 21 times in a day. <gasps> yeah, babe. Like, like we've had amazing sex our entire relationship. Um. And but he but even he is like he's like I know once those eyes close like it's done like you're just using me I just need to keep doing what I'm doing and that's it and I'm like yeah but I don't want to be like that anymore I want to be able to come from the sex like I I don't think I've come from the actual just sex and the interaction I honestly think in like five years jump off porn for a second I think I will I haven't watched porn well since I've been down in Sydney for two weeks maybe I'll just keep I'll stay off it yeah. I'll stop that little silly man in my ears, the audio man. Also, like, try using a toy and just, like, letting the feelings guide when you're going to come as opposed to, like, thinking yourself into climax. I've been doing that a bit. I've been trying to, during sex, um, I've been trying to, because I'm on Lexapro and it's been really fucking my libido and my ability to come really badly. And the last person that I fucked, like, he knew that. And, like, I just tried to, like, think about how good the sex felt mm. rather than being like oh this is hot i'm having sex does that make sense yeah like instead of being a voyeur you're actually like a, a participant yes because and then and i still have to think about something else to come but it was progress i yeah i the actual sex is more enjoyable so what's our advice to this girl we've gone on about oh <laughs> okay this is my advice uh i recommend five things so gosh, it's a BuzzFeed article. <laughs> so the first thing, if you're going to maintain one night stands and you're not interested in getting a fuck buddy, then you need to change your tune. You need to ask for what you want. You need to provide context for why you want it. You need to um, 
not give head as like a tool for power, give it freely or not at all. Mm -hmm. I feel like you need to give people also, no, you need to come to terms with the one night stands are going to be bad because the nature of sex is that if you want it to be good, you need to practice and you Mm -hmm. can't practice when you're doing it once. Mm -hmm. And the fifth thing is get a fuck buddy. Just get a fuck buddy. Fuck buddy's the best. When you find a fuck buddy that works where you both, and also you have to get along. You have to be like, you you have have to to actually be friends. Yes, yeah. Or like there needs to be a foundation of like mutual humor, interest, something. So you can like watch a movie after and Mm -hmm. like hang out. So, because also I think I need a lot of like tension leading up to sex for it to be good. That's why one night stands don't work for me either. Like I need to have like a dinner or like a night out or like be talking to them and be like, I really want to fuck you, but we can't, we can't fuck right now. Mm. Like someone come over and fucking me. I'm like, cool. I see what you mean. Like, I see what you mean. Together I'm fucking, the reason why I find it so hot mm. is because I go into the cafe and I'm like, hey. And he's like, hi. And then later on, I'm like, come over and fuck me. And that's like, that's enough tension for me. But if he was just like some random dude that I couldn't go into his yeah. workplace and infiltrate his mind, <laughs> my nipples out, like I literally would go in in like a fucking cardigan no bra on mm. nipples out one button you know those, how everyone yeah. says mm-hmm. i have double d tits so bitch mm-hmm. so it's like it's 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 hanging on by a thread <laughs> but i created tension nice and that's why i like to fuck him because i would always go in and like nipples would a little get bit hard. of jiggle the, just whatever the fear my mm. nipples would be hard They'd be like oh what's happening what's happening but i think it's right i think you need to fuck buddy because then you can create tension hanging out before you fuck yeah because you're also really not that even that like into these guys you're having one night stands with because- why energy do you want that stand so much? Not that it's a bad thing. Yeah. But think about why. Let's think about it further. Because realistically, and also, I don't, it's, we, we can't gauge tone in a message, a written message, but there's this element of like um, uh, resignation. Like, I'm having bad sex because everyone sucks. And like, my relationship sex is better. And like, it's so a lot of your sexual pleasure and enjoyment comes from your mental, uh, your mental space. So mm-hmm. if you're coming to it, coming into it with baggage being mm. like this is gonna be shit because everyone fucks and everyone sucks and mm. it's gonna be shit it is gonna be shit so it needs it's such a mental thing. thing it's all mental 100%. be excited about it as well like be enjoy it <laughs> don't yeah. feel also, obligated to root maybe you should try and fuck women you said that as kind of a joke yeah. at the end maybe you should try and fuck women babe i feel like do it to them so now i want to know about you because i feel like right now you're kind of an it girl of sorts. Do you feel that way? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. It's like you're like the coolest, but if someone says, oh, have you heard of Flex? It's like it's everyone's either heard of you, and if they haven't heard of you, the second they someone shows you them, they fucking love you. Mm. Like you're you're very you're you're going very fast. Your follower count is going up, 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 up I've been up. watching it. I've been watching it. I think you hit a hundred, like Yeah. Let's what? get to 200 yeah, by yeah. the end of this year. That's my goal as well. Let's do it year. together. Yes. Oh, my God. Imagine our party, the balloon. <laughs> we'll get influencer balloons. Yes. 200K. And we'll both get like a hired Zimmerman. Of and we'll course. Both- <laughs> of course. Hire it. Don't buy it. And, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I feel like you are such um, a hot commodity right now, which must this be a nice true. feeling. Um, and this question is really not related to what, anything that I just said. But it I just happens. want to know. I have a question. It's yeah. not really related to what I actually want to talk to you about. But I just thought it would be good. Like, have you – so on your Instagram bio, you've got hashtag facilitate your own nut, which Period. is my favourite thing in the world. And have you always been so comfortable with sexuality and yourself and talking about it? Or was it something that you learned? Or was there a defining moment? Or what was your journey with that? No, that's the answer. Okay, so I grew up very religious, right? And – 
not no that's a, the wrong way to phrase it my family is religious so i was like in church and everything and i was just not very exposed to like worldliness in mm-hmm. a sense and so even within myself i wasn't that girl who was like i was humping pillows as a kid and i was like always so- <laughs> i was just me. always so horny and like i knew what my clit was no fucking idea and also my relationship to men had always been quite familial like I had male best friends growing up and brothers as well so I just also hadn't really clocked that men could be sexual in any way and always found the relationships my friends were having to be just quite comedic because like gross like those are boys why do you want to do that with those things and so I didn't root for the first time till I was like 20 and even then it wasn't as though that was something I was like excited to do. I was like, okay, fuck, it's getting late. <laughs> like, oh I God. should get onto this. Yeah. And so even my introduction to like sexual liberation only came from like literally Googling. I was like, I need to understand what's happening here. Like, why aren't people coming? What is it to come? You know, so I came at it from like a very analytical lens first. Mm-hmm. And I guess because I didn't hold any shame around being a quote unquote late bloomer that it was much easier for me to just like enter spaces and be like, let's fuck, let's eat ass, let's have a good time. Right. Do you know? Yeah. And I feel like people got that twisted with being very promiscuous as well. Like I had a hoe phase as we affectionately call it. I love it. I call it dick spree. Oh, cute. Um, but yeah, I had one, but it was just, it was almost like taking my theory and putting it into practice. It wasn't necessarily like I was just like a horny ass bitch who needed to like fuck and like get off. I was like, no, I just wanted to see like what, what's, what's happening. What's the vibe. Yeah. Um, and to talking about it, I didn't think it was radical and I didn't think it was something to be celebrated. And I didn't really think that would be like the precursor to being this person who like had opinions on the internet it just Mm. kind of happened around Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. but no I mean even now I feel like for a lot of people I have quite radical uh, I have quite a radical approach to sex and sexuality but only because yeah I didn't carry a lot of shame that other people carried with it do you think as well because you learned how to have sex as an as an adult as an adult yeah and not a kid so you didn't have like you weren't like I lost my virginity at age 15 so Mm. I had 15 year old boys telling me that I had to suck their dick and then I didn't get it reciprocated and I didn't get my pussy ate till I was like 18 because mm. of porn and because of that's just the society's expectations of what sex is mm. and that's what young men think sex is so I reckon because you found out and because you did your research and as an adult with a fully almost fully formed brain at age of 20 you were able to make decisions that were good for you and what you enjoyed mm-hmm. and you were able to understand why you enjoyed them and it was weird because I was kind of like I could feel myself getting indoctrinated by men who had very regressive views of sex because I was like, okay, of course, like I'm going to get like eaten out. Like that's just like, you know, what I've read, <laughs> like, and yes. what, like what should be happening? Like my pleasure is important. Yeah. Then you start dating. Like I was like an older guy type bitch. I was like, I'm not like dating anyone mm. who's not at least like five to seven years. Ugh, it happens. Um, but then, so you root these older guys and you assume, well, they've been doing it forever. So they must have really forward thinking approaches, but no, they just had 25 years, you know, since they've, they've had 25 years of experience with bad technique or, you know, a very misogynistic approach to rooting. So I was like, well, you guys are leading me astray. Mm. 
there's always that one though who turns you out who's like teaching you shit who's like you know this is what we could do oh. like this is fun turn around bend it over spread it you're like wow i'm so wow my God, i'm so I'm alive so nervous <laughs> stop i'm nervous <laughs> eat my ass can <laughs> <laughs> do anal today <laughs> me <laughs> me dropping anal casually on first date to see what their reactions are me being what like, is their reaction oh it's usually pretty like like they don't know if i'm kidding or not and oh. i'm like i have a sex podcast and I'm like, do you like anal like that's me dropping. Oh, they think it's like a joke. Yeah, think, yeah. and it's I'm like, like no, oh. like, do you want to fuck my ass or not? Because like, I need to prepare. <laughs> like, I'm like, because like, we can if you want to. Like, I remember one time I was asking, and he was like, yeah. I was like, what's your kinks again over dinner? Mm. As we were saying before, and he was like, oh, I really like butt stuff. I was like, that isn't a kink. That's just like an observation. But like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> that's cool if if that's what you want to do. And I was like, well, like, we can, we can do, but like, it's, it, it's, it's so much easier when things are matter of fact. Like I was like, we can do that, but we need to like prepare for that. Like yeah. we need to have like a butt plug involved. I need to stretch mm-hmm. myself out again. We need to blah, blah, blah. And he was like, this is. And also like butt stuff right after dinner. That's bold. Oh, fuck. <laughs> no. And also I said to him, I was like, you know, once you start, if you regularly do anal with me, you're not going to really want it anymore. Like, why is that? I think because a lot of the thing with anal is that it's like forbidden fruit. Oh yeah. Like my ex and I went through a stage where we would do it more than we'd have like a vaginal penetrative sex. Mm. And we were just like, both of us were just like, eh. like it's, it's, it's like the naughtiness of it. It's yeah. like the mental thing. It's the excitement. Anyway, that's what I want to ask you about your sexuality journey. Cause I found it very interesting. I think it is very interesting as well, because also like when I look at, um, when I just talk to people about sex generally, you see like, a lot of the suppression and repression jump mm. out where it's like, why do you feel so strongly about not being sexually literate or not asking for what you mm. want? And I understand that like in the act, it can be super difficult because mm. I just remember like part of the insecurity about sleeping with older people is that there's got to be something that you don't know yet. Do you know? So if they're, if they're not doing what you thought should be done, like if they haven't eaten yet, then there must be something wrong because like, from what I understand, this should be like a common thing you're doing. Right. So why aren't you doing it? Yeah, right. Totally. So there's that sort of insecurity where it's like, well, you should know more than me. So why would I bring anything new to the table? I'll just do what you're doing because you're the expert here yes. and I'm the newbie. Totally. But no, no, because I, I the way I mean, men especially, the way they've been socialized to have sex is from a very, um, like a very one-dimensional, like penetrative experience where Mm -hmm. it's like, you just need to get it in, thrust, 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 get it out, be done. And so they haven't even explored what what else, what is a foreplay for them? What do you want your titties sucked? Yeah. You know? What do you want to do a little finger in your ass or in your ass eat? Let me know. That's why I love when guys want me to eat their ass because I'm like, oh, you know what you actually want. I find it so hard. I'm like, oh, you know, you've you've like tried different things and you've been open to people exploring things with you. When a guy's like, oh, it's fucking gay. First of all, you homophobic fuck. Second of all, enjoy having average sex the rest Mm -hmm. of your life where you're too scared to try new things. And I feel like a lot of guys carry a lot of insecurity because they feel like they should know more because, you know, I've been waiting since I was nine. So like, (laughs) so like, I'd be fucking amazing. I've had like 45 years experience and and I'm only 30. (laughs) And they just have sex that begins and ends with an erection. Like that's literally like the long and short of it. Sad. Whereas I think come back into our, our earlier point, when you have someone you're sleeping with regularly, as a woman, you're able to be like, sometimes having sex for me, with people has been literally just like mutually masturbating yeah fun. which is the hottest thing in the world it's the best thing my the most premium nuts is a mutual mousy it's and also if you pretend or you like you pretend you can't touch each other or if you can't and you're like we shouldn't <laughs> ah! 
<laughs> you're like, we can't. Huh? We can't possibly do it. And like even though you're dating and in the, like, the privacy of our home, I'm like, we can't. You have a wife. Or like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we couldn't possibly. Like the variation. I mean, I think any kind of like masturbation, self-pleasure is so frowned upon. Mm. Even basic forms of pleasure. Like I think fingering is so underrated, but I'm like, you haven't had, you haven't had a good fingering. I haven't been fingering. You've just been doing once, one or two fingers. And that's the issue. You need three, four, three, four fingers. Fist. You know what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm like. Protectively holds hand. The one time I was fisted, I was like, not the one, the one. The one fuck buddy I had a fisting experience mm. with. It's kind of like you're like, surely this can't be right. Mm. Surely, and mm. I always get so paranoid at like when you get to like the thumb knuckle, where you're like, oh, I don't know if we can do anymore. Not really sure, yeah. oh, I don't know if we can do anymore. Yeah, because then like, what if you just get stuck? But you can. But yeah, so let's bring fingering and fisting just into like the conversation. A like, good fingering is really. I good. prefer a good fingering overhead. I, it's more directive. Yeah. And also, and also I feel like I recently, and this is bizarre that I've never had a guy do this to me recently. He was fingering me and he was rubbing my credit with his other hand. And isn't that fucked that no one's ever done that to me? Oh. He's like, lick my clit. But I've never had a guy just use his hands. Yeah. And, and I, I was, was like, like cause my period was ending and I was like, I don't want you to eat me out because yeah. I feel like there's still like remnants and it's taste. And the yeah. It's yuck. the taste. It's and the metallic it's- taste. You get a waft of it. You're like, it's still there. Yeah. And you're like, I know. I can smell you. Like, I know. And it's not going to be bleeding. So he was like fingering me and he was like, well, I'll just rub your clip while I'm doing this. And it was so fucking hot. And also he was like looking at me. So I could see, I could see him. I could see his, like, he was like sweating. We're in Queensland, you know, Queensland vibes. I love a sweaty afternoon fucking Queensland. I'm a Brisbane fuck. Um, well, that's interesting. I love, I love that. I love how um, I feel like we're kind of at we're at like similar points of openness sexuality, but we have such different journeys. Absolutely. How old are you? 26. Right. So you're a year older than me. Mm-hmm. That's fucking crazy. I love that. Now back to, back to business. Cause I feel like something that I really admire about you is how you have your fingers in so many paths. You're like, you've got your two podcasts. Yes. You've got your business. Yeah. You've got your DJing. Yeah. You've got your presenting. Yeah. You've got your influencing. Yeah. You've got your DIY that is, well, it is a business because it's part of the business, but I mean, your DIY also is part of, as a huge part of your personality. Like I see Good things. Good brand builder. Babe, I see things and I'm like, should I send this to Flex? Like, like I should always. Re- regularly. Um, so you've got this amazing, yeah, you've got this amazing brand as well that people find things synonymous with you. Yeah. Whether it's deep conversations or it's DIYing a rainbow mirror. Um, can you give us like a brief rundown of your career and how you got started and everything and what made you, you just a brief one. Let's try and fit it in two minutes. hundred percent. Elevator pitch. So when I was in high school, I was like the same as now, a bit of a floater, not really amazing at anything, but good enough at a ton of things that like, I kind of just, people probably thought I was more talented than I was. Uh, and then I didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated high school, but I was that type of bitch who always had jobs. Like I just had two retail jobs, a side hustle, a so-and-so and whatever. Um, but my mum was fixated on me like going to do tertiary education. And so I remember I was watching the Hills and they did PR and I was like, I like the lifestyle. Like you like look cute at work, you chat all day. So then I was like, I want to do PR. But then I was like, fuck, like, I also just don't want to jump into like learning. So I did fashion business for a bit and then dropped out. And I was like, this is fucked. Fashion industry is fucked. Then I went to a private college, did PR, dropped out, got a job doing a junior publicist 
thing at an agency that did like work with Cartoon Network and MTV, not how I got the job at MTV. Then I was like, this is fucked. I'm overworked, underpaid. Then I went to a different agency doing publicity and social media, digital marketing. And I was like, this is fucked. I spend too much of my time at work. I'm here at eight. I leave at eight. I'm crying. I'm not eating. I'm overworked. I think this is like my purpose. It's fucking not. Mm. But I didn't have anything else going for me but work. That was just like the thing I was good at, just working mm-hmm. myself really hard. Um, and so I was like, I think I need a hobby or something else, like another way to apply myself. And I was going out heaps of the time, but I wasn't drinking and I hadn't discovered drugs. So I felt really like useless in clubbing environments because you just don't have the stamina if you're not mm-hmm. on a substance usually. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, maybe I'll just be a door girl. That could be really fun. Like I could be at the club. I could get paid to be there and it'd be like a cool thing to do. Became a door girl, ended up meeting these promoters who were like, and I was like, oh, you know, do you like do PR for your like club night? You should like get the word out. They were like, no. And then I was just giving them business advice. And I was telling them that like, you know, it's weird that you have DJs, paid DJs on from like nine to midnight and nobody's in the club then. Mm. So you need to like do it yourself or like get friends who like, don't want to build a career just dj for free mm. and they were like do you want to do it and i was like i don't yeah okay I, I, <laughs> so yeah. then i taught myself how to dj just online uh and then my brother uh like knew how to produce and dj so he taught me for a bit but then i was like i don't like being taught by men so i stopped doing that mm. because i worked at the club being a door bitch i could go in whenever i wanted and use the equipment and learn how to dj amazing and because i was like a club kid at the time i was like always out dressing really hectic hair done nails did like super extra when i said i was a dj promoters were like fuck yeah we'll book you because i was already out and about already right. friends out and about so they kind of just let it they really just spearheaded the career thing for me because mm-hmm. everyone's like it makes sense yeah. like you're out your friends will go to where you are we need people to come to come to the club mm-hmm. just do the thing so that's what i did you know and before you know it like um because I had the PR experience. It's quite easy to hustle when you understand how business works mm-hmm. and what makes you uh, like commercially viable for a business. And so in a couple of months, it was like five hours a week, 10 hours a week, 25 hours a week, 30 hours a week of DJing. And I was like, I can't do both. And then I quit my day job. I went to like part-time. I went to like, you know, three days a week. And mm. I was like, no, I'm fully committed. Like I'll stay. And then I quit. Yeah. Then I remember I was like, well, what else do I want to do? Because I was like feeling high and invincible of like doing this thing, like being a DJ. Who fucking does this? Mm. I was like, what else can I do? Maybe I'll manifest something else. Mm. And I remember I was like, I want to be a presenter. And I remember MTV had hit me up to do like a profile, like an it girl type profile. Um, but the person who was managing was a freelance producer and they had ended up leaving. And so the profile never happened. But I asked them to put me in touch with MTV so I could ask if I could be a presenter. So like obnoxious so you just asked well that's the thing i messaged them and i was like hey like i really want to be a presenter like what's the kind of like process and they're like actually we kind of need like more presenters and we need someone with a music specialty now i like music music's fine but like everyone wants to think i'm super passionate about music it's like my like Mm. no it's just a job you know that kind of like got out of hand Mm -hmm. because they were like we need someone who has like music and pop culture like expertise and like that's you and I was like that's me (laughs) it is you know what it is me and they were like do you know do you have any experience and I was like you know yeah I'm working on like a a showreel at the moment but it's just it's being edited so if I just Mm -hmm. come in and do like a a, like a, a reading then that you can just see my my work and so I just went in and then that was it I was hired 
That's fucking incredible. It's pretty bizarre. And then the other things just become a follow-on because when you have, I mean, being a DJ already gave me so much permission to just walk into spaces and people were projecting mm. characteristics onto me. Like, if you're a DJ, you must want to do this and you must want to do this and you must want to be mm. an influencer and you must this and must that. And so it's kind of like a perfect storm of um, people pre- like giving me opportunities, you know, like even doing the beauty thing. I was DJing at a lot of beauty events and they were like, how do you do your makeup? Like, do you follow any like, you know, darker skinned Australian influencers? And I was like, no, they're like, oh, that's really interesting. There's a gap in the market. So it was like, it was told to me that I was like, well, fuck yeah, I'll do this. So today and tomorrow I was started sending PR emails being like, hey, I'm a beauty influencer now. Like send me, put me in your PR list. Like I'll do Mm. content. Mm. so you just so, like took every opportunity that you saw basically absolutely. and you were like why not just fucking try it yeah that's a good thing when you're um when you're freelancing or doing something that is quite flexible mm-hmm. you're able to see things and go well i might as well just try it what that's do i have it. to lose but it helps if you're actually talented and i think the the where i won't sell myself short is that i'm good at doing shit and i'm actually creative and i'm actually smart so i'm not the hubris is matched with skill Mm. Um, and in areas where I'm not that skillful, I'll learn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas I know a lot of people who just like want and can't back it up with any skill. It's like, mm-hmm. of course we want to be presenters, but that yeah. shit's embarrassing and hard. Yeah. Like imagine being a person who can't get there, who keeps f- like fumbling over their words 40 times in a row. Yeah. And we're trying to do a live show. Not cute. Not cute. <laughs> well, that's one of my questions actually. And I said, don't be modest, but I'm so mm. glad you're fucking not because I hate I ask people questions and I'm like what do you like and then just like <laughs> I fucking hate that but like what do you think I guess if you could expand on that sets you apart from other media personalities because you are literally like I've said a million times but I've been watching your follow account and I I saw you to 100k or something yeah. it was two weeks ago yeah you're like 110 now and it well thank goodness for like everyone black lives mattering oh. that helped <laughs> Because every Australian was like, Flex. shout out to Flex, my one and only favourite black person. <laughs> and I was like, I'll take, I'll take those like, Thank you. I, I will here. take them. I've been here the whole time. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> um, but what do you think does separate you? Because you are such a unique voice. Yeah. And it seems like everyone fucking loves you. Yeah. I think it's a perfect combination of a few things. Yeah. The first one is... I am the antithesis of what it is to be an influencer. And I feel like that's more relatable and not in a way that's, it's kind of like a backhanded compliment to me. And I've seen it in the way people engage with me. So they're kind of like, oh my goodness, like the average influencer is like just white and you're not. So that's so inspiring. Or like, they're also skinny and you're not, and you love yourself. So I'm inspired by that. And you dare to love yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and aren't you brave? You're an like, ugly wow. fucking frog monkey, but yeah. you seem so confident and that makes me feel confident. So therefore I want to follow you. But no, it's not a bad thing, but I feel as though the, you know, the traditional influencer is very aspirational and unattainable in a way that directly makes people feel shit about themselves. And people see me and they're kind of like, well, I think I'm probably a bit prettier than you. Like, I think I might be, but you know, like if you have to think Fuck. about it by beauty standards wise, you're kind of like, I think I'm like, I'm skinnier than you and I've got like better teeth, but like you're here and you make me feel good about yourself, myself, because you feel good about yourself. And it's infectious because you mm. come on, you're like, I don't have to be insecure yeah. because the only thing that you have that I don't have might be like money and a profile, but I don't need these things because that, that's not my aspiration. So I think it's that. Mm-hmm. I also think that when I started DJing, it was at a time where it was like women in music was the trend. And so the career got amplified in that way. And then 
it moved into a body positivity space. And so I was amplified in that way very Mm -hmm. indirectly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we moved into a social commentary space Mm -hmm. and everyone's like, well, she's been doing it, amplify her again. Mm -hmm. And so I tick a lot of boxes. Yeah. um, That kind of gives me a lot more entry points than Mm -hmm. the average person. Mm -hmm. And I think that because... um, I feel like people can project onto me quite easily because of like the depictions of like black women in media, like sassy, fun, best friend, yes, queen, whatever. Similar to like the gay best friend. It's so easy to project onto a gay guy, all these characteristics of like fun, sassy, whatever, because we've seen it in media so often that I'm getting projected onto. Mm -hmm. So it's like, finally, like we've got one. So it's, it's all, I think it's like a a perfect subconscious storm. And obviously like I'm fun, smart, talented, great whatever these things all matter but the subconscious undercurrent of like me fitting within like social trends Mm. just by being the person I am is definitely beneficial yeah it feels like you're kind of you are able to relate to all these different pockets of audiences Mm -hmm. and you're like the average girl but you're elevated because you are so smart and so savvy and you have taken risks and chances Mm -hmm. so I guess that's why you've been able to constantly have people will just be so interested in you and you're an interesting, amazing person. And also because you do put out, you do put a lot of effort into your content. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I was saying before we recorded, like, yes, we could like easily just be an influencer. I'll put a photo holding a thing and then I get the money because I have the followers. But like you have two (laughs) podcasts yeah, and you have so much and you have the influencing. and, And like I was saying before, you have so many different things that all take effort and also all take a different part of you. Yeah. And different part of your energy. And it's actually genuinely very hard to maintain. And I've said, like, when people ask me this, why do you think you're the only person with The Bachelor that's still, your season that still has a profile or whatever? Mm. And it's because I just, I quit my job and I kind of had to just keep doing things. Mm. And I had to put an effort, I had to keep trying. And then people were like, oh, well, she's the one, mm. you know? And if you have a little bit of extra time and energy, I think from what I see of you online, like you put it into doing something that's worth uploading or worth releasing 100 percent. Right? and also i feel like the infectious part of being i mean we have a profile because we're doing things to maintain the profile mm. i feel like it's not that if you're a an average likable person i feel like you can build a profile you just need to continue to do it and not feel embarrassed to claim it i have yeah. a lot of friends who are like i really want to start a podcast but i have no profile i'm like fuck i'll listen to your thoughts yeah. I listen to random people speak all day for free. I'll mm. listen to yours for yeah, free. 100%. So I think it's the difference between just being in front of people mm-hmm. and, oh, it's like the flow on the effect because I feel like there are people who like really like get my content and like it. And like, so there are people who don't know. Everyone's like, but you don't know Flex, but you don't love Flex, but you don't listen to a podcast. Yeah. So there's this element of FOMO. Everyone's like, well, you already know her and like she's already done these things. I've got to jump on too. 100%. And because I shame I don't... everyone that doesn't know you with the, with the cards I bring out. I'm like, it's the card game time. Like, who is this? I'm like, it's and flex. I, I think it's because I don't have a polarizing profile just yet. Like, I'm not uh, like hated as much as I am liked. So it's mm. a lot easier to be like, okay, I can see how she's likable. Like, mm. she's not, um, she's not Azalea Banks. Yeah. Oh my God. Fucking <laughs> Azalea Banks. 100%. Um, so how quickly do you, how quickly do you feel like you went from being like just your average girl to being successful? Cause you are successful in this space in every mm. space that you're in. And how do you feel about that success and, and how it came about? Like, is it something that you feel a lot of responsibility for or do you just kind of like go with the flow and like enjoy it for what it is? 
I mean, it can feel like overnight. I mean, when I look at my tax returns, I would say the last two years, because mm-hmm. that's like a big bump up mm-hmm. in revenue. So maybe like that would be a good indicator. But I feel as though I've been freelancing since 2014 or something, 2015-ish. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. five years or something. Why it feels like I've been quote unquote successful for longer than it might look to the outside world is that when I was, didn't have a follow account, I still had a lot of like, um, work from like big corporations. Mm -hmm. So I've always been working with huge corporations, either like with DJing or with TV. So I was already established. The influencer shit came later. It's an add on. It's an add on. So it's like, I'm in this weird territory where like I was already building a profile. So it's already successful in some spaces. So like, if you were a festival bitch, you might've known me. If you liked MTV, you might've known me. The influencer side, which is kind of the most lucrative and the most um, widespread is newer because you actually need a lot of followers to be considered mm-hmm. like a proper influencer. And that's much newer. I think when I, in the earlier stages, I used to take it a lot more seriously because I was trying to replicate the blueprint, mm-hmm. like do the flat lay, do the like, Hey everyone. So a lot of people have been asking. I've me. tried that. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and it's just so disingenuous and very tiring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it became a very taxing exchange to get on the internet. Cause I was like, fuck, I don't want to do the performance. I don't want to set up a tripod and mm-hmm. like, you know, so these are my favorites for this. No, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I really have rebelled against the responsibility. My therapist says I have a rebellious personality. Mm. I've rebelled against the responsibility because I don't like feeling obligated to perform. I really have, you mentioned feeling like a jester and mm. I really, I'm rebelling against being everybody's jester because mm-hmm. it's a thankless fucking task. 100%. You sing, you dance, you perform, you mm-hmm. make people laugh and everyone's like, we want more. Yeah. And we want it today. Yeah. So I think with that, I kind of rebelled the role model thing as well. Cause it's like, I don't want you to feel like you have access to me and that I need to keep up the facade. Mm-hmm. But I think in some ways I can acknowledge that if you have a platform of any size, it kind of is in your interest to like do the thing, like mm-hmm. be as smart as you possibly can be as well read as you possibly can. Mm or be as open to facilitating conversations that need to happen. Mm-hmm. I try not to take it too seriously because it's, I don't think it's important work. What we do, I think fundamentally, like we're just like capitalism's handmaiden. We yeah. like, we, all we do is like we exploit and we have to sell a lifestyle and sell mm-hmm. concepts. And we're lucky we have these platforms to just do our own thing and to mm-hmm. be quite candidly, but the rest of it's just a crock of shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, is. I try and be mindful of that now, uh, but it's tricky because I don't want to care about it as much. I see people who are so caught up in their social media lives and like, it's draining. Like you're hurting inside and I can tell. It's, oh, it's so <laughs> fucking draining. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, you can, when you watch people's stories and you're yeah. like, oh, like this is, this is exhausting it's for you. It's hurting. And it's fair that it's exhausting yeah. for you. Like, fuck. Drop the facade, sis. Like <laughs> say a swear word. Tell me you're not okay. Yeah. Like show me your messy house. Yeah. You know? Fuck. It's like one thing. I'm sick of that. Don't wear of- makeup. Like, oh, don't use a filter. Just wear pajamas. Yes, wear pajamas online. Time. It's okay. It's okay. Fuck, it's totally okay. Um, well, speaking of your incredible career thus far, I would never fucking ask anyone this because I don't care about the answer, but I care about your answer. Mm. This is like a this is like a work answer, like work oh. question. But like, what is your dream plan? Like, if if you could just snap your fingers tomorrow and you had your dream career, your dream life, your dream mm. shit, 
what would that look like? Like what trajectory do you want to be on? Because I feel like you could literally just, ooh, there are so many different things you, you could really focus on. anything. Yeah. Okay. You have such a wide range of opportunities and you have the ability to do all of them. So what do you want, really want? What I really want is to not be so front-facing. Mm-hmm. As I have spent like my lifetime on the internet, I realized the error in my ways of being so accessible and building a brand where people feel entitled to you, mm-hmm. like entitled to your thoughts, your feelings, your opinions, you, like your success, all of it. Mm-hmm. And it gets very exhausting because yes, like definitely if you are, if you follow an influencer, you have contributed to like their wealth and their esteem in some way, mm-hmm. but it's also very tiring. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's, Every day it's an internal conflict of like wanting to post but not want, not having anything to say, wanting to just be myself, have everyone think it's a hot take. Like the, oh, the other day I posted this story of um, somebody who'd taken a photo of a bunch of silicon mouths that were being prepped for sex dolls. So just like a bunch of different lip shapes and like, you know, so yeah. there was like you could pick the lip color and it was all the same kind of face. It's like a white face with like pink lips, red lips, mm. purple lips, and like they all had names and stuff. And I posted it because it was like a sick picture. Yeah. You know, um, and then the amount of people who messaged me back being like, "How do you feel? That's all white dolls." Sometimes Aren't you worried you about post- the diversity. Yeah. Like, does this worry you? Yeah. No, <laughs> I like the picture. Like, not everything is like you know. So yeah. So in an ideal world, logged off or like I'd be able to use the internet in a way that's like not necessarily to sell, just to have a profile that people can engage with. How you engage with Oprah? Oprah's not selling you fucking lipstick. She's just showing you her vegetables and she's going. Want my I want an e-commerce store. I also want like a I want to do consulting. Like I want to do high-level consulting, going into rooms, chit-chatting, and bouncing. I don't want to execute anything, none of that. I also would love to um how do I explain it? Like, I would just love to not be living in the city. Like, it's interesting because, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, like, a, a front, a front woman anymore. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think I want to be the one who's hosting the show. I don't want to be interviewing anyone. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the one who has the opinion. I just want to just chill. Mm-hmm. Just exercise my creative ideas, make shit, sell shit, mm-hmm. you know, consult with a with a company behind the scenes in the head office go home relax mm. you don't want to be like flex mommy anymore i don't want to be flex yeah. i mean i want to be flex now because i'm enjoying it and i can still like this it's still beneficial to me because at the core i'm a superficial bitch oh my god yes i love the lifestyle yes i love the clout. i like the attention i love the attention i get so many comments being like you just love attention i'm like yep yeah, period i'm like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I, I can know both things. I can know how exhausting and taxing it is yeah. to do it, but I'm also like, I'm so privileged. Oh, like, so lucky. There are like a percentage of people who can do this yeah. and it's me. Yeah. Me. It's me. It's, it's me. me. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm so excited by it. But it like, I also know that like it's, um, the bubble will burst and I see in small ways how like, I'm not the same person I was before because it's been taken from me. Like the internet took my fucking joy. It yeah. took my innocence. Yeah. It took my carefree nature. It took it all. Yeah. Maybe I gave it away. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was a, a give and a take, you know. Yeah, it was a give and a take. It was an exchange. Yeah. It was an exchange. 100%. I sold my soul. Oh, to the devil. <laughs> um, but no, I, I was the same. I'm like, in my head, my ideal life is me literally owning like a small little like house on a hill with like a, 
with like a pond and like Hot. seven golden retrievers and ducks and stuff. Mm. But then I'm like, I don't want to fucking do that right now. No, like, not right I now. Want to live in, I want to live in Sydney and I want to like yes. go out every weekend and I want to see people and I want to keep doing my podcast and like hustle. Yeah. And it's work. fair to want that because it's the same way how when I was in uh, like a full-time nine to five, I could still appreciate that job and be like, I want to work anywhere but here. Mm. I want to be f- a free bird. But I'll rock up every day and do the work and love it because that was my option. Like I'm, we're, I we're doing this because, like, it's such a privilege too. I'm not giving that up. Going to give it up for no literally reason. Literally snatch from my cold dead hands. Hundred percent. And then I will transition to farm wheel. I think I know what is also nice, and what I'm kind of realizing is that we're going to have so many different stages in our lives. Oh yeah. And it's fine to enjoy things for five years mm-hmm. or ten years. And when I was working in my nine to five before the bachelor, I was like, I can't believe I have fucking 50 years left of this like this is awful but we're very lucky that we can be like you know what this year i want to focus on the podcast yeah i just want to do podcasting i want to do less instagram stuff Mm -hmm. or we can go you know i just want to just do easy influencing stuff i just want to upload and then after that i'm like well i can move here because i have no strings attached to anything so Mm -hmm. i think that's a really nice thing that i'm finding that i don't have to be like by the time i'm 30 i want to be married with kids with the golden trees no arbitrary milestones anymore yeah who gives a fuck Mm -mm. i'll do it for as long as i'm enjoying it um, but yeah, no, I think we're very lucky to be able to have all these different avenues, all these different things to do. I just feel like I'm just going to milk it for as long as. For as long as we're allowed to, like I'm accepting this blessing for what it is. I'm like, you chose me, great divine person who controls and pulls all the cogs and the wheels. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to take it. And when you've sucked me drive all my joy and vitality, I'm going to go recharge somewhere else. So to finish it all off, everyone was very excited that you were coming on. Me too. The podcast. So I asked in the group uh, what questions they had for you. And there are some really good ones. We'll do like quick fire answers. Yeah, we'll do some quick fire. All right. First one is what question do you wish people would ask you but they never do? What do I care about? What do you care about? Stuff. <laughs> attention, clout, stuff. Yeah, attention, clout, stuff. Being a pretty bitch. <laughs> and, uh, no, I want someone to ask me, like, what I care about of that moment. I feel like when I have a lot of conversations, they project, like, they project ideals onto me. So it's like, tell me how you feel about inequality in the music industry. Tell me how you feel about growing up in racist Australia. And it's like, well, then I just have to go back and be like, I didn't really think about being black until I was 19. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. I don't have the right answer for you. But yeah. like in that moment, I just really wish people would allow me space to have a counter narrative. that isn't the one they would like me to mm-hmm. have, mm-hmm. you know? So that they're, they're answering the question in the question. Yes. You like, know, tell us about your struggles with racism. In exactly. Australia. You know, and you're like, okay, well, Mm. tell me what it's like dating as someone who's a, a leader in the body positivity movement. And you're like, what? What is that? Should it have been hard? Right. Or... It's that thing of like despite everything. Yeah, despite what you've been through, being a fat, chunky <laughs> animal. <laughs> despite adversity that you have faced, <laughs> that you have overcome. Um, <laughs> um, the next one is do you have windows in your apartment? I do. And... <laughs> It's so interesting. I don't show the windows in my apartment because it's very easy to tell where I live if I film outside because they're very clear signs mm. outside. Like you can see businesses, business names and street names and it's all very obvious. Right. And from that vantage point, you can... And honestly, from outside of my house, you can see into my house if you look up. You can see my artwork and things. Right. So I've made the conscious effort not to film 
my windows because I was careless about it and then people started telling me where I lived. Yeah, people tell me where I live all the time and yeah. it makes me really scared. Um, biggest piece of advice for someone who wants to start their own business and stand out from the rest? Ooh, okay. If you want to start your own business, I would say make sure your idea is even worth having. Like I feel like a lot of us need to start worrying about solving problems uh, and creating solutions to problems that existed. So like for me, reflex, I didn't come up with it just from out of nowhere. People were always asking me like, how do I have fluid conversations like you and Bobo? And I was like, okay, shit, I can do that for you. I can make a game. Mm-hmm. A lot of us uh, uh, hold our ideas quite close to our chests and don't realize that they're useless and nobody needs them. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. really being really critical. Also, like the thing about starting a business is you need someone to sell to. And if you don't have an audience or a platform, you are starting from like below zero Mm -hmm. and you're going to be spending a lot of your income trying to advertise to reach an audience. Mm -hmm. So unless you have a a hectic strategy for how you're going to reach people, whether that's, you know, through influencers, um, through paid advertising, through whatever, you're going to be spending a lot of your time just holding onto inventory you can't move. Yeah. So totally. just think about it properly. Like mm-hmm. I feel like people really romanticize owning and operating businesses and that shit's expensive. Like Grace and I were doing the maths the other day and we think it takes us, probably will cost us a hundred thousand dollars to run Flex Factory for a year. Really? Mm-hmm. To pay everyone, uh, to be ethical, to pay everyone yeah. properly, to pay ourselves properly, to make sure that like, everything's accounted for. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking expensive. It's really expensive. Oh, how can I compliment a woman without focusing on their appearance? Oh. Don't focus on their Don't appearance. Don't focus on their appearance. Just say you're very funny. Yeah. You're in, you're, you're I love the way you think. You're my court <laughs> jester. <laughs> you're my court jester. Yeah. I can be your court jester. Yeah. Um, or think about how people make you feel also. Like, I feel mm-hmm. so safe around you. I feel so comfortable around you. Mm-hmm. Like, you're a great listener. Mm-hmm. I mean, if these things are true. Um, okay, let's finish with this one. What is the biggest lesson that life has taught you? Um, everything matters. And I feel like when I was younger, I used to really try and convince myself that things weren't as important as they were. Maybe I didn't want to focus on them. Maybe I just really thought that way. Mm-hmm. But literally everything matters. How you speak to people, how you feel, um, what's going on around the world, even if it doesn't impact you, it all matters. Like everything mm-hmm. matters. Uh, and even as someone who's quite apathetic at the moment, I can really like, I'm really reconciled with that thought. Mm-hmm. You can like, it applies to everything. Like this guy makes me feel like, this guy makes me feel like shit, it matters. I don't feel like I'm exercising my creative freedom. That really matters. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not connecting with my family. That matters. That's fucking amazing, Flex. Thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we did it. We did it. We literally spent an hour talking before this. So because we've been recording for four days. We have. We have. And I love it. And we were in the dark. <laughs> we were sitting in the dark. In our hobbit cave. In our hobbit cave. And I had to go out to get something. I had to pause for a second. And I was like, like <laughs> a vampire. Um, thanks for the podcast. Obsessed with you always. Love it. Flex dot mummy? Flex, unfortunately. The dot. 
It's a long story. Who the fuck is this flex army? Some random guy on the internet and I... Offered to pay? Honestly, well, the thing is, five years ago, he only had like 300 followers or something. And I was like, should I ask him for it? But then I was thinking about that time where somebody had bought KanyeWest.com and had was extorting him for money in exchange for that domain. And Kanye had to pay him like a couple thousand dollars. But I think he ended up giving him a job as well. But I didn't want to be extorted because I didn't really think that flex money was going to be a thing. And that's Like it was thing. just another expense. And I didn't want to pay it, but now it's a bit late. How many followers does he have? Oh, wait. He's got, well, I've got more followers now. But he'll now. say. Exactly. So when this? I had no followers, I should just reach out and be like, hey, can I have that handle? Oh, that's awful. It is I what mean, it is. I tried to get my Finsta. It's called, well, I can't say what else. Oh, you can't. And I really wanted to have it, um, have it without a dot. Mm. So I offered to pay someone to get the dot. Did it work? I'm, no. My Finsta, I don't even care. Um, at Flex Mummy, she's amazing. You have two podcasts, Bob yes. and Flexer, uh, and whatever, whatever I, I want. want. And you're amazing. You're incredible. Thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully, we'll come to a live show after fucking COVID. It's all done. <gasps> we need to do it. That'd be so much fun. Our manic energy it would be like perfect <laughs> for a live space. We're like, us, us can and do we it. won't talk before it. Yeah. Zip lips.